Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. We are broadcasting live today from the beautiful Shale Studios. Kim, what a great show we've got lined up today. We've got Omar Garcia getting ready to come in the studio here, President and CEO of Steer. And we're going to spend some time talking about Steer today. We haven't had Omar here for a while. We've also got oil and gas trivia coming up a little bit later in the show. And you're going to have the chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm, the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston. So be sure and listen real closely to the show today to have your chance to win that $75 gift certificate. The Palm Restaurant in Houston, oil and gas trivia coming up a little bit later in the show. Kim, let's talk about Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. What's going on in the magazine? Well, you know, Alvin, we just released our latest issue of shale and it's celebrating women in the energy industry you know every first of the year we try to have all the women who are in oil and gas uh, featured in shale and so this year the team did an amazing job of really uh, finding the real gems in the oil and gas the females that are really shoring up the oil and gas industry and you know it it makes me proud being a female as well Um, you know according to the labor statistics there is a larger population than ever before of women coming into the oil and gas sector. So this is an important issue for us uh, to cover these ladies. Our cover is Sharon Sperlin, and she is the vice president as well as treasurer for Plains All-American Pipeline, LLC, an amazing company, publicly traded company. And we're really excited to bring her story to our readers as well as many, many, many women that are being featured in this issue of Shell Magazine. Kim, let's take just a minute and talk about women in the oil and gas industry. I mean, you've been around the oil and gas industry for several years now. You've been in business for yourself for lots of years. Yeah, don't give my age away. (laughs) (laughs) But let's just talk about how women have have moved to the forefront in the equality issues uh, in, in business today. You know, I think that oil and gas has definitely um, opened up to and warmed up to the idea that women have a lot to offer and give uh, in this sector. And it, it shows with the amount of women that are coming in, but truly from uh, attorneys, there's uh, chief financial officers, there's women engineers, uh, landmen, you name it, from all ends, from upstream to downstream, you find women. And not just uh, women that are um, at the field level, but also at the executive level as well. And so they're very intertwined. Of course, I would love to see more. I think that we uh, still have more Uh, to go as far as making women understand this is a great profession, high paying, great benefits, um, and great companies to work for. But I think the word is getting out slowly, and we just see a lot more women moving into oil and gas. In terms of opportunities, do you see more opportunities at the executive levels for women or more opportunities in, you know, the, the boots on the ground type of jobs? In all fairness, I think that I've seen both. Um, There are a lot of female executives and female uh, professionals in the industry 
there are also a lot of uh, young graduates that are actually boots on the ground out there learning the engineering, the water aspect, hydrogeologist. Um, you just it, it landman. There's they're all over. There, I think it's a combination of both is equally filled in both areas. So this issue, women in industry, great issue. Um, I've got to kind of peek through the magazine, and let me tell you, you, your team did a phenomenal job, as always, putting Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine together. Uh, Cover party's coming up pretty soon? Yes, it's going to be in February, and uh, it is where our advertisers are invited in to actually network with some of our oil and gas executives and the individual and their team that is on our cover. So uh, what a great benefit when you advertise with Shell Magazine to be invited into an exclusive party uh, that only the advertisers get to come in and network at the highest level with our executives. Now, if somebody wants to see the magazine online or to contact the magazine, how do they do that? They can always go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. So it stands for shalemag.com. Again, that's shalemag.com. Or they can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, the number is 210-240-7188. Shalemag.com is also a great place to pick up the podcasts of In the Oil Patch. Very, yes, this is true, as well as, uh, you know, there's so much that you can find on our website. Uh, I, a funny story, uh, over the holidays, uh, we were kind of a victim of our own success, Alvin, in the sense that um, we had so much traffic coming into our website that it actually crashed for about four days, and we had to relocate and migrate our website over to a hosting company that could take the just the demand of traffic that's coming into the website now. And I do believe that part of it is to hear the podcast of our show, as well as look at what's going on, where are we at in in the oil patch or the latest issues of Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine. In the oil patch radio show, we've grown by leaps and bounds over the last year. We, you know, we really don't even have a full year under our belt yet, but we're now doing the show from our flagship Shell Studios. And what other markets are we in? Well, you know, we started with KTSA 550 AM, and we grew into KWEL, which is 1070 AM, which is the Midland Odessa area. And then we were picked up by iHeartRadio as well, which is KTRH 740 AM. Big markets, potential of 1.2 million listeners. So I definitely would say by looking at the numbers of listens that we have on our podcast alone that we have a huge following for our show and I couldn't be more excited. People want to learn about oil and gas. Well and that's that's very important that you brought up the podcast because you can go to shalemag.com and you can listen to all of the podcasts. We do catalog those on a weekly basis so you can go back and listen to the very first show or the most recent show. Or on iHeartRadio, they have their app that you can download and you can listen to it and stream when we're on, as well as you can click on our show and it's there as well. So there are multiple ways to hear our show, multiple ways of finding us. Uh, Anyone who's interested in being a guest, I'd also uh, like to encourage them to reach out to us. Uh, They can contact us through radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And tell us what you want to talk about. If it's an interesting topic, I think we would love to have them on the show. Yeah, you know, there's tons and tons of great stories out there that, that you know, may not be an oil and gas company, but it may be oil and gas related. And those are great stories that we do want to share here on the show. Also, we do have some room for some advertisers on the show. 
Exactly. We do business profiles in which we will cover your business, how long you've been in business, and anything that a business would like us to cover that makes them unique, we want to spotlight them. So we certainly uh, would like for anyone interested in getting a business spotlight to contact us as well at radio at shellmag.com. 2015 was an interesting year. Wow, have we have this this show's grown just so fast by leaps and bounds. It's hard to to fathom the number of listens that we get to this show. I think it has a lot to do, Alvin, with the host, of course. <laughs> just kidding. Um, it's our guest. It's these experts that come on and help us break down these topics. And I think it's the great stations that we have selected to carry our message and to help us be the voice in communicating oil and gas and its topics. Well, we're, we're into 2016. It's a new year. What do you see on the horizon for the radio show? We'll go to the magazine in a second, but what do you see on the horizon for the radio show this year? Well, I, I do believe that the radio show will grow uh, by stations as well this year. And I think that uh, we will also have new partners that will come in and want to facilitate us growing into larger market areas. So that's the goal for the radio show. And for the magazine, some of the things we've accomplished in 2015 have been a state of energy, which we will continue those. They will now become annual events for us. We also have a new redesign on our magazine as well, that uh, a new fresh look. After four years, it was time to spruce up our look. Um, every so often, it's really good, like an advertiser will change out their ad uh, we also wanted to have that same effect to just tweak it a little bit differently to where it has a little bit of a different look. Um, and we really, really like the new look. And we hope our readers will as well. Nothing has changed in the categories and the type of topics that we write on. Um, our covers are still the same. Every The model is still the same. It's really just the inside of how it is laid out has changed just a little bit. Okay. So when, when do we see the new look? This issue, January, February, uh, hits the stands this week, and um, you will see the new look throughout the whole issue. So be sure and get yourself a copy of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. It hits the shelf this week. This week, this week you'll find it out in Where can stores, you find it? hotels, uh, HEB, depending on what market you're in. Um, there's also subscriptions, and of course, the easiest way, honestly, of finding us if you don't need a hard copy is just simply go to our website shellmag.com. With that, we do need to take a break. We've got Omar Garcia, the president and CEO of Steer, coming in studio with us next, and we'll be right back. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. 
Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey along with our host, Kim Bellotto, and our very special in-studio guest today here at Shale Studios, Omar Garcia, the president and CEO of Steer. Kim? Well, welcome, Omar, back to the show. As always, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, today, we'd like to talk a little bit about the export ban. But before we get started, uh, you are the president and CEO of STEER. Tell us just briefly about what is STEER and um, what do you? what's your mission? Sure. Well, thanks, Kim and Alvin, for having me on the show today. It's always great to be with you guys. So STEER is an oil and gas trade association. It is focused 100% on South Texas. Uh, it started back in October of 2012, and it was... At that time, started by the 11 largest operators in Eagleford Shell. And our main mission is to connect industry with the stakeholders in South Texas. Uh, and by stakeholders, I mean working with county judges, chambers of commerce, mayors, city councilmen, county commissioners, working with them to work through any potential issues they may be having with the oil and gas industry, whether it's workforce related roads, environmental, we are kind of a one-stop shop to help them with some of those issues. Uh, our other uh, main focus is to educate. Educate on the importance of the oil and gas industry, uh, bringing that knowledge base to the residents of South Texas as well, let them know how important the industry is for their uh, economic future. Uh, so those are really the two core missions that we have uh, at STEER. It sounds like a, a very important mission, and I can only imagine when Eagle Ford was going every day but Wednesday crazy, uh, you guys were busy. And now that uh, it is slowed down a little bit, I would imagine you're still just as busy because there's so much information that everyone is requesting. Where are we right now with oil and gas and what's happening with prices being depressed and when will this change and when will gas prices go uh, back up in the price of of a barrel. So I'm sure there's lots and lots of questions, and this is one of the reasons why we wanted you as a guest today on today's show. Just recently, they lifted the export ban that had been in place for almost 40 years. Um, and there's a lot of discussion on, you know, why did this happen? Is this good for us? 
when will things get back to normal? So thank you for being a guest. I'd like to just jump right in and ask you a little bit about the export ban. What are your members and what are you feeling about the export ban? Was it good for us to lift this ban? And if so, in what way? Certainly. Um, Steers pleased with the reversal of this policy, which will have long-term benefits for the Eagleford Shell region, including future job growth and sustained production. Allowing U.S. oil production to be competitively priced creates balance to compete on the global market. You know, before I go into some additional comments on lifting the ban, you know, let me first thank not only our Texas delegation, but our South Texas delegation for voting and for working hard to get this ban lifted. It goes without saying, without their help, whether they were Democrat or whether they were Republican, this was an, an issue that both parties came together Mm-hmm. for the common good of not only our nation, but for our great state of Texas. So we thank our, our congressional delegation for helping us with this. Lifting the ban on, on oil exports is something that is going to help us long-term. You're not going to see an immediate impact right now, uh, but long-term you will. This What this basically does is allow us now to compete on a global market where we couldn't sell our crude to other countries. Now we can. And let's let's back up real quick and and just for clarification purposes prior to the ban being lifted there was usually a spread of anywhere from eight nine ten dollars between brent and wti and immediately when the ban was uh, lifted you saw those numbers coming together so uh, what does that mean in the sense something good happened but uh, what was it that happened pertaining to well, that, that spread is now less than a dollar, you know, depending on, 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 on the current market conditions. So that that certainly even the playing field where, you know, our domestic producers were selling oil anywhere from six to eight dollars less than what the international market was was paying. So that leveled the playing field immediately, had a, almost had an immediate impact. Um, what you're seeing in the future is companies will be gearing up when prices go back up to a level where they can begin producing and making money you're going to see companies actively talking to other countries talking to other um, companies um, utility companies Um, anybody that buys oil and gas can now buy from the united states where before the ban was lifted our crude had to stay in the united states with limited sales to canada and mexico and some of our allies um could not purchase from us before this ban was lifted, and now they can, which makes, I'm, ass- I'm assuming that they didn't have very many choices prior to us lifting the ban. Now some of our closest allies have the opportunity to purchase from the United States. And, and that's why you talk about this national security issue, where our allies can now buy directly from us. They don't have to rely on companies that are not as friendly to the United States, um, companies that don't see things the way we do, uh, or terrorist countries. These, our allies can now buy directly from us. And, that, and that's a big deal for national security, not only because they can buy from us, but because we have an abundance of oil thanks to the Shell Revolution and the technology we have in the United States. Well, and let me, let me clarify something with a question. What is the difference between Brent crude and WTI? Basically, Brent crude is the international price. Okay. That is a price globally. WTI is a domestic price. And okay. historically... That delta in price change was could be ten dollars, it could be five dollars. There were certain factors that played into that, but with the lifting of the ban, that difference has shrunk to sometimes a dollar or fifty cents, or it depends. It depends on the market that day. Now to expand that question, 
what is the difference between your heavier crudes and light sweet that we produce here domestically? Sure, the light sweet crude is the crude that Europe needs. It's the crude that Asia needs. And so people always ask us, why are we still importing from Saudi Arabia? Well, that's an easy question because we need their heavy crude. We need their heavy crude for some of our heavy manufacturing. You know, we don't have a lot of heavy crude in Texas, or we have some in the United States, but not at the, at, at the levels that other parts of the world have. So when we talk about, again, we go back to our allies needing our oil, we have that light sweet crude for Europe, for Asia, Australia. Other countries need our light sweet crude. So that is one of the fundamental differences in why this lifting of the ban is going to be um, really historical for South Texas. You know, the Eagle Fruit is, is going to play a role in world history by allowing this crude to be shipped internationally. We do want to stay on this subject uh, throughout the whole show. But we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey along with our host, Kim Bellotto, and Omar Garcia of Steer in studio today. We'll be right back with more In the Oil Patch. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connected rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Alvin Bailey here along with our host, Kim Bellotto, and Omar Garcia 
talking about history being made by the export ban being lifted, the U.S. can now export crude. And Kim, I think you had a, a that, question. That's right, Alvin. Um, what a great day, uh, and great time we're living in to have this ban being lifted. And Omar, one of your operators um, actually made history by being the first one to export uh, crude after the ban was being lifted. So tell me how, how that must have felt being one of your operators and how did how did this happen? You know, less than two weeks and after after the ban was repealed, ConocoPhillips sent the first shipment out of the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, and that was largely due to, to a couple of things. You know, San Antonio's new Star Energy had a terminal uh, at the Port of Corpus Christi, which allowed to uh, load the crude onto the tanker. Um, and obviously having the Port of Corpus Christi there in our backyard is a huge, huge benefit to us because the shipping costs to get the product from the fields in South Texas to the port are going to be drastically reduced. So the Port of Corpus Christi has always been an economic engine in South Texas. And by lifting this ban, it's only going to further that title because you're going to see more and more crude being shipped out of the Port of Corpus Christi for a number of reasons. Again, proximity. There's less traffic than in Houston. Uh, those are just two big reasons why the port's going to continue to grow its, its footprint in the oil and gas industry. What I wonder is, had the price of a barrel of oil not dropped, I wonder if lifting this ban would have ever have occurred. I mean, after all, it had been here for 40 years. And sometimes bad things have to happen to have something good occur. And to see and to realize that U.S. producers were not able to export, and the price of oil was such a different price between what was the world price and uh, U.S. producers' prices. It, in many ways, this has leveled the playing field, and it's a really good thing, even though despite bad times right now in many ways, and a lot of companies are struggling. So I think that this is a good thing that has come out of a very bad situation and absolutely necessary when you think about Iran, who is getting ready to start exporting themselves. And they are able to export, and yet our U.S. producers could not. So, in my opinion, this is a great thing. Well, those are you bring up two great points, Kim. Number one, prices being depressed helped with lifting the ban, but also allowing Iran to put anywhere from five hundred thousand to a million barrels of oil a day also pushed the issue as well, too. Because how can you tell your domestic producers you can't put your your product on the international market, but we're going to let you, Iran? A known terrorist country sell your sell your oil because of, of the um, of the treaty that was um, struck between both countries. So th- those two issues were the centerpiece of why this ban was lifted. And I think the reason why it was lifted was so important. It was a forty-year-old piece of legislation that was left over from a time that no longer applies to us anymore. It's almost impossible to ever think we would ever go back to where we were 40 years ago. So in many ways, this is something that absolutely needed to happen to help the United States in big ways, especially in the future with U.S. producers. That being said, I want to go back and uh, go back to the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, we recently attended a seminar in which we had a port commissioner, Barbara Canales, uh, discussing all of the expansions that the city of Corpus Christi is making into their port and making it a more viable and usable port in ways that they've never been able to utilize before, such as deepening their ship channel. So let's talk a little bit about that. Omar, tell me what your thoughts are on um, how do you see the port from where they are today and maybe five years from now? 
I think the port realizes that they're in a very strategic and unique opportunity to take advantage of this ban being lifted. Um, they're invest, reinvesting in themselves. Uh, you talked about the ship channel. Uh, they're going to spend close to $350 million to deepen the ship channel, to dredge it. They're going to go from 45 feet to 52 feet. This is going to allow the larger tankers to come into the ship channel. It's even uh, going to be deeper than Houston's chip channel, correct? I don't know about that. It's going to, I think it'll be very, fairly similar, uh, but a $350 million investment speaks volumes about what they see, uh, what they see in the future and what it's, going to, what it's going to mean to them. You know, you talk about $350 million that the port is investing. You've got Newstar investing almost uh, $870 million in the South Texas pipeline system. They're working with the Port of Corpus Christi on a second private dock. To handle these exports, so those are two two key components that you're going to continue to see in South Texas related to the Port of Corpus Christi and them being kind of the the vehicle, if you will, or that core asset that is needed to make this a reality for the South Texas uh, oil and gas industry and for the operators that are uh, drilling and producing in South Texas. Well, Omar, we want to thank you for coming in. You know this ban being lifted is really new for all of us and i don't know if anybody has a crystal ball to know how this is all gonna play out over the next year or two or three or four years and you know i think as you said earlier that having less supply on the market will have a positive impact on oil and that'll have a positive impact on the oil industry in texas so it's going to be interesting to see how the lifting of this ban plays out over the next few years Absolutely. It can only help the industry and it can only help sustain um, the economic development that we're going to have in South Texas related to the oil and gas industry. So I appreciate both of you having me on this show to talk about this very important topic. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will punish your work trucks day in and day out and even your built ford tough trucks well they need to be serviced too so do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership or do you call Teresa? you see blue bonnet ford has Teresa. when you call Teresa, her team will pick up your ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days that's the Blue Bonnet difference. So don't let downtime cost you thousands. Call Teresa today and keep your fleet working. Here's the number, 210-643-4391. Again, write it down, 210-643-4391, or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Blue Bonnet Ford, a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org. 
or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bilotto. Kim, great information from Omar today. But now we need to bring in another industry expert, uh, our friend from the Institute for Economic Development, Dr. Tom Tunstall. That's right, Alvin. Uh, Dr. Tunstall um, has been an advisor with, the Shell, with Shell Magazine for quite some time, a couple of years. And truly, he has been uh, a wealth of information for us. There's so many questions that we have about how will this export ban affect us. And so having experts come on to help us understand this is so important. So we're pretty excited to have Dr. Tunstall in studio. Well, we're about to see an evolution in the industry. And I mean, I've, I've got more questions than I think anybody can answer about how's the ban going to affect us. And we've talked to Commissioner Sitton, we've talked to Omar about it. And I think everybody has a pretty similar opinion on how long it's going to take thing, for things to turn around. But I'm interested to hear how Dr. Tunstall, his, his take on this. I am too. Let's welcome Dr. Tunstall to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Dr. Tunstall, before we begin asking you some questions on the export ban, can you tell us a little bit about your title and where you work uh, to help us understand the expert that you are on this topic? Well, I'm the Senior Research Director at uh, the University of Texas at San Antonio Institute for Economic Development. Uh, we research all sorts of topics on economic development. Obviously, recently, a lot of it's been related to shale oil and gas, but uh, we're also looking at topics that range from uh, LNG export, which is starting to become a reality here in Texas, as well as uh, you know other topics that include the Fiesta celebration in San Antonio, the uh, uh, missions in San Antonio, uh, which recently were designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so uh, they've been important in San Antonio, of course, the Alamo, but uh, the other four missions as well for a long time, but uh, they, they should garner even more attention worldwide as a result of this designation. So so we're going to be t- uh, likely taking a look at uh, that perspective impact, uh, and, uh, and you know, really, like I said, anything related to economic development, whether it's uh, small business analysis for the governor's office, targeted industry recruitment, we just, we really cover a wide range of activities. Very interesting. So Dr. Tunstall, we had Omar uh, in studio, and uh, he was kind of weighing in on the recent lifting of the export ban. Tell us, um, as far as you know, what is going to be the impact in lifting this ban, and will it have on the economy, and will it specifically have an impact here in Texas? Yes, it will have an impact in Texas. It's it's going to be initially uh, a fairly marginal impact. I mean, we're not going to see the price of uh, West Texas Intermediate uh, uh, shoot up. What what has been interesting that's happened so far is that the price differential between West Texas Intermediate and Brent crude has has narrowed. I, in fact, uh, for a few days this past week, I, I watched uh, uh, to see or I could see West Texas Intermediate selling at a premium, slight premium to Brent crude. So that's encouraging. Uh, it means that now essentially Brent, uh, not only Brent crude, but West Texas Intermediate can be sold, you know, pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, and and uh, so that marginal uh, uh, bump in prices, or, or at least narrowing of the gap, uh, is, is going to be useful. I shouldn't say price increase, because what we've been watching here lately is oil prices, you know, continue to fall. Uh, but at least uh, we don't have to watch uh, West, West Texas Intermediate being sold at such a discount to uh, Brent crude. Dr. Tunstall, Take a moment and let's unpack what we know about this legislation on on lifting the export ban. 
Well, what's interesting about it is is it really just brings the export of West Texas Intermediate uh, into parity with other products that we already export and have been exporting in, in a lot of cases for a long time. Uh, the U.S. Uh, has has never had a ban on the export of refined products, crude oil that's been processed through refineries. Uh, 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 in fact, uh, uh, we're at record levels of export of, of refined products, which include things like uh, gasoline, diesel fuel, jet fuel. Uh, and, and with the permits that have recently been uh, approved by the federal government, uh, we, we are now just about ready. Uh, in fact, I think the first shipments have, have occurred of uh, liquefied natural gas to other countries. Uh, and so the fact that we can now, again, export crude oil uh, really, uh, you know, is, 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 if nothing else, just kind of brings our export policy, uh, uh, it, it makes it more consistent across the board. Looking at this from a from the point of view of, of the energy industry on a world level, what impact is being able to export liquid, liquefied natural gas and, and natural gas to countries that don't have access to cheap energy? How is that going to change the dynamics of the world, in your opinion? Well, it's interesting that the prices for natural gas have tended to, to vary tremendously from country to country. Uh, in the U.S., natural gas prices have been consistently lately around $2 per thousand cubic feet. Uh, at one point in Japan, uh, they were up as high as uh, $16, $17 per thousand cubic feet. Now, those prices have come down because they're now importing a uh, significant amount of, amounts of natural gas from Australia, and, uh, and that price disparity has gone away. But Europe still pays in the, air, in the vicinity of $11, $12 per thousand cubic feet because they're, they have limited supplies of it. Basically, they're uh, uh, dependent on the Russian natural gas monopoly uh, through Gazprom, uh, and, and that's caused prices there to be much higher. But uh, in much the same way, we've seen oil become a global commodity because it can be transported not only by pipeline but also by supertanker. We're going to see natural gas also become more of a global commodity and, and hopefully see some of that, those price differentials go away uh, you know, like I said, ranging from $2 here in the U.S., maybe $0.75 cents in uh, Qatar, to $11 in Europe. Um, Are there countries that desperately need access to the natural gas uh, and other uh, commodities that could help expand their life expectancies, countries maybe like in Africa that are not having access, with us having the ability to export these products more? Do you see that dynamic changing in any way for the betterment of those countries? Well, in the case of Africa, I don't really see much of an impact. Africa, East Africa, uh, for example, already has uh, substantial quantities of natural gas. In fact, they have the prospect to export it, but uh, unfortunately that's going to require some uh, political stability, which isn't currently present in a lot of countries there. So I, I'm not so – I really think the impact is going to be more in, in developed countries. Japan uh, has, uh, uh, since the Fukushima incident, exhibited uh, a, a really strong appetite for more natural gas. And, of course, Europe has uh, been using natural gas uh, uh, not only for uh, heating but for, uh, you know, vehicle applications a lot more than, than we have, for example, in the U.S. Uh, now that we have so much of it here in the U.S., in fact, that's still – continues to be an area of interest of, of prospective growth for natural gas usage. Uh, fleet vehicles have, have been making, uh, uh, or fleets have been making the conversion to natural gas just because the economics are so powerful. But increasingly, we're starting to see 
other types of via passenger vehicles, uh, not necessarily related to fleet usage, uh, starting to use natural gas as well. I want to stay on the topic of, of how the lifting the export ban is going to affect us here in the States, but right now we do need to take a break. We'll be right back with more in the oil patch. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo, from oversized hazardous materials which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo to your chosen destination for on-time delivery amerijet houston is your commercial shipping partner call amerijet at 844-651-7956 once again that's 844-651-7956 or visit us at amerijet.com farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto. And our special guest in studio here at Shale Studios today is Dr. Tom Tunstall. Dr. Tunstall, we've, we've had a couple of different experts in studio with us and talking about the lifting of this export ban. It seems to be popular opinion that we're not going to have a lot of really good short-term benefit from lifting the ban, but the long-term benefits are, are going to far outweigh anything that we can see as far as a year or two down the road. What's your opinion on that? I think those views are essentially correct. The supply chains that were in place when the United States 40 years ago was an oil exporter have largely been dismantled, and efforts have been made to prepare for the prospect of export. Uh, Corpus Christi, for example, is now a deep water port. They've dredged their channel out to 45 feet, uh, which uh, uh, allows them uh, to 
accommodate the, the, the super tankers that are going to export the crude oil. Uh, but but the U.S. for a long time, except for Canada, really hasn't had customers for crude oil. So uh, to the, it'll, it'll be necessary for suppliers to, to you know, get their product to, to, to the coast, secure capacity on, on ships, and then find customers overseas. Uh, all of which is doable, but it will it'll take time, and and those supply chains, uh, especially complicated ones like that, will will take uh, you know a year or two to 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 uh, to flush out. So, Dr. Tunstall, tell me, are there any? Uh, do you have any idea of any oil and gas companies that stand to gain the most sooner than later by the ban being lifted? Who do you see will really be able to take advantage? Well, which companies? Sure, and I I, I don't necessarily have. I'm able to name the names of any players, but it, it, it'll be the companies that are in the best position in terms of the supply chains that I, I mentioned earlier. They'll have access to pipeline capacity to get their oil from uh, south or west Texas or other places to the Gulf Coast, and then the shipping capacity to get it to uh, customers that, that will have to be lined up, uh, presumably in Europe, but uh, ultimately, you know, potentially, you know, in a lot of places uh, across the globe. So more of the uh, oil and gas companies that have more of an integrated type of service that they're not just focusing on a more upstream, but they have upstream and midstream involved in them. In well, the or if, or if they've contracted for those services, I mean they don't necessarily have to own them. In fact, you know, in, in in the era of companies really focusing on core competencies, it doesn't necessarily make sense for an exploration and production company to own uh, midstream, i.e., pipeline capacity or or storage capacity. That can you know all those services can be outsourced. Shipping, et cetera. So, um, so it's it's really more access to it than actual ownership of it and full vertical integration. That's that's not necessary to, to make this happen. From a from a geopolitical point of view, lifting the export ban and allowing U.S. oil on the world market, what is that going to do to the to the players and the in the stage that's already in place on the world market? And I, I know a lot of this is just opinion at this point, but because None of us has. There's not a crystal ball on the table. But what do you feel like is going to change on the world stage? If you buy the premise that Saudi Arabia initiated full production and essentially a price war to drive the shale producers out of business, this change in the the rules for oil export will only heighten their concern uh, because now, uh, previous to the uh, when the export ban was in place, uh, U.S. oil really couldn't be sold uh, in places potentially like Europe and Asia, which is where Saudi Arabia, particularly Asia, where they like to sell their oil. Uh, now that U.S. oil in the form of West Texas Intermediate can be sold in Asia. So uh, it's conceivable that to some extent uh, U.S. oil could be competing with uh, Saudi or other OPEC member oil for market share. Uh, so um, so that, that could be an interesting dynamic. I, I, I uh, you know, Saudi Arabia is already concerned about the prospect of Iran now exporting crude oil, which it appears that they're about to do. Uh, uh, you know, the whole reason Saudi Arabia uh, decided not to cut production, and in fact, has, has has ramped it up to apparently as close to full capacity as they can manage, is because they were concerned about loss of market share and didn't think they really could do anything about price. So, uh, uh, so that that these days that appears to be their number one concern is is a either regaining or holding on to market share. What do you think the conversations are right now between the OPEC nations? They're looking at having an emergency meeting in February. They're very concerned. Uh, the trick is going to be getting 
a consensus within OPEC because the cost structure to produce a barrel of oil varies widely by producer. In Venezuela, it's very expensive. Saudi Arabia, the marginal cost is very low. And, uh, you know, so that's that's step one. They have to come to at least some sort of consensus on, on uh, if they're going to limit production, what will they agree to limit it to? And then the enforcement mechanism. OPEC yeah, is— Can they make Saudi stop being the swing producer? Well, I, I think Saudi Arabia may have given up that role. Um, and, 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 in fact, they certainly were tired of trying to, to be the only producer to, to cut back and essentially be the swing producer while their other members continue to produce at full capacity. Um, so, so I think that's what – those are certainly some of the concessions Saudi Arabia is going to want is for members, other OPEC members to agree to cut back their own production as well. The problem is they may agree to do it but, but may – cheat and decide not to do it. That's always been uh, one of OPEC's issues is, is they'll agree to quotas, but they have members that don't necessarily abide to them. And, and sometimes it's hard to know who's, you know, uh, complying and who's not. Dr. Tunstall, let's, let's talk for a second about the Permian Basin. I took a trip to Albuquerque a couple of weeks ago, and on my way back, I made it a point to come back through Carlsbad and through, through Loving, New Mexico, and I cut across to Fort Stockton. And I was shocked at the amount of activity going on in the Permian area. It's just, it's still huge. And, and I know that they have had a slowdown, but there's a lot of stuff going on up there. The rig counts throughout Texas are down. There's there's no question about that. Uh, Eagleford Shale, we've seen the rig counts uh, drop from uh, over 200 last year. I think uh, this past week they actually dropped below 80. And things have slowed down in, in the Permian as well. What's interesting is that, you know, there are some nuances to that. It appears that a lot of the energy companies have uh, redoubled some of their efforts in the Permian, in part because there are so many more strata of shale there. Uh, there's maybe 12 strata equivalent to one Eagleford in, in the Permian Basin, and, and, and they're uh, in the very, very early stages of shale uh, production uh, in West Texas. Uh, one recent report I saw that uh, uh, production in West Texas actually had, had ticked up slightly uh, from the previous week. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to kind of watch. I mean, they're going through a downturn just like uh, uh, the rest of uh, the oil-producing world, uh, including other parts of Texas. But uh, but there's still uh, some unknowns related to the unconventional production going on in West Texas that will be worth keeping an eye on. Well, does, does, the, does upstream – have an effect on midstream and downstream? Do they really affect each other, or are they really separate industries? I, I would have to say they've, they've kind of become separate industries. I mean, you have companies that really do specialize on midstream, uh, especially transportation, uh, but it also includes storage. So Newstar, for example, and uh, uh, Kinder Morgan focus on 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 those activities, uh, the ENP companies, uh, especially the independents that have pioneered these these unconventional techniques, tend to, to be exploration and production companies, and that's their core competency, and that's really what they're focused on. Uh, they're not trying to be pipeline companies or fully integrated uh, uh, energy producers the way uh, uh, some of the majors have, have migrated to over the years. What do you think some of the obstacles are with the midstream companies, transportation companies, having to overcome in moving product from the Permian to, say, the port of Corpus Christi or, or one of the other ports for export? Probably their immediate 
issue is just going to be price pressure. I, I think with the low price of oil, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, effort to get them to, to lower what they charge to transport oil, uh, uh, oil, gas, or whatever. But uh, um, So I, th- I think that's a real possibility. I mean, just in general, across the industry, you've seen tremendous downward pressure on prices uh, uh, of all aspects of production and transportation. Uh, because of the low price of oil, uh, you know, when oil's selling at hundred dollars a barrel, it uh, uh, it makes people a less, a lot less in the industry, a lot less price conscious. It covers a multitude of sins in in in, in terms of uh, uh, production or operational inefficiencies. That's all changed, and and so I think that may be one of the the major near term impacts. Dr. Tunstall, a couple of years back, you did a study, uh, your, uh, the university, on the Midland area. Let's talk a little bit about what you were doing and what was uh, some of the information that you were able to uh, reveal on that study. The formal name of the study was actually the West Texas Energy Consortium study, if you will. Uh, it really started out and, and ended up being essentially a study, as best we could tell, and we're not geologists, uh, on the Klein Shale or the counties likely to be affected by that strata of shale uh, because of some early announcements by uh, an energy company operating in that area that there might be as much as 30 billion barrels of recoverable oil. Wow. And that still may be the case, but what happened with the Klein Shale was that the uh, uh, test wells and initial production attempts were disappointing. And so while West Texas and the Permian Basin has tremendous upside potential for decades, most of the activity more recently has been focused uh, south and west of where the Klein Shale is located. So the Klein Shale is roughly sort of east of Midland, Odessa, south of Abilene, and north of San Angelo. More of the activity has been occurring sort of south of Midland, Odessa in, in what the uh, Railroad Commission calls us the Sprayberry area, and, and there have been a lot of permits issued, uh, 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 lots of uh, wells being drilled and completed there. Uh, and uh, and also, interestingly, uh, initially a lot of the unconventional techniques that were employed in West Texas were vertical wells. They were actually just drilling them straight down because they're less expensive than a, a horizontal well. Going through multiple strata of shale, uh, and hy- hydraulically fracturing different different strata along the way. That's, from what I understand, has been largely abandoned because the there's a lot of variation between the different shale strata, and each one has its sort of own their optimal ways to extract the oil and gas. In, in West Texas, we're talking mostly about oil out of that. So, uh, virtually all of the new wells being drilled and completed in West Texas now, and, and presumably a lot of that uh, is still occurring in the Sprayberry, are horizontal drill wells. So they're going into that particular shale strata, which they understand and which is, is productive uh, and receptive to these techniques and, and uh, apparently making some good headway. A couple of months back, we interviewed the uh, CEO of Pioneer Natural Resources. And uh, in the interview, um, he had discussed that uh, Pioneer has really kind of doubled down in that area specifically. And um, so that's a really good thing to hear that uh, somebody's doing well, especially at this moment in time. I've seen Pioneer speak about their operations in, in West Texas at, at uh, a couple of conferences. Uh, in fact, they're, they're the ones that 
I, I first heard coined the term uh, 12 Eaglefords in West Texas. Uh, so, yeah, they're very uh, uh, bullish and optimistic about the, their prospects in West Texas, and I think rightfully so. Uh, I, again, uh, the unconventional, the use of unconventional techniques in West Texas is still relatively new uh, compared to, say, the Eagleford or and certainly the Bakken up in North Dakota. So, so I think it will be very interesting to watch what happens in West Texas in the coming years. Well, and a lot of you know great companies like Pioneer have been forward-thinking enough to to understand having a water crisis and being able to use, you know, reclaim water to frack their wells. And, and there's just, there's a lot of great technological advancements going on, both in the, in the Permian as well as the Eagle Ford. Uh, a lot of really forward-thinking companies in, in both of those areas. Well, and it's important also to note, you mentioned uh, using less water, recycling more of it, using uh, non-potable water. Uh, those types of issues are going to be key to uh, activities just across the border in the Rio Grande in Mexico as they start to attempt to exploit their shale resources. Because as, as, as we know, the, the shale doesn't stop in Texas. It continues on into northern Mexico. And uh, water already has been cited as a, as a key critical infrastructure issue that's likely to arise with, with potential production in Mexico. Well, Dr. Tom Tunstall, as always, it's a pleasure having you in studio. We thank you so much for coming in and helping us to understand a little bit more of your viewpoint uh, when we're having the discussion on world oil and what lifting the oil ban uh, really means for us all. As well as, thank you, Omar Garcia, for coming into studio as well and giving us your opinion on the export ban. Well, it's oil and gas trivia time. If you'd like to win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston, you'll need to be the first person to email the correct response to the following trivia question to this email address. Write it down. It's radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shalemag.com. Be the first person to email the correct answer to the trivia question Kim's about to give you, and you'll win that gift certificate. Kim, what is our trivia question today? Well, Alvin, the question today is, which organization is Omar Garcia the president and CEO of? Again, the first correct answer emailed to radio at shellmag.com will win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. And I can't win it? No. <laughs> Darn it. Email your responses in to radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shalemag.com, and you could win that gift certificate. Kim, I, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it for us today here on In the Oil Patch. Great show today. I totally agree. And as always, we look forward to having another great guest on next week talking about oil and gas. And with that, that's it, folks. In the Oil Patch. We'll see you next week. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.